Welcome to the latest episode of Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today my guest is Sarah Atkinson, who is the CEO of the Social Mobility Foundation a leading UK charity working to ensure young people from low-income backgrounds can achieve their potential. Thanks for joining me today, Sarah. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the Social Mobility Foundation? Yes, thank you, Grace. Uh, It's been an interesting and not necessarily always a straightforward journey. I'm a chief exec of a charity now, but this is actually my first job that I've ever had in a charity. Before this, I did various different things. I started off working in and around politics. I did some research work at a newspaper called The Times when it was a general election. I did a training placement in a civil service organisation that was at the time called the Department for the Environment, Transport and the Regions. Um, And then my first job after I went to university was working in a consultancy that specialised in political communications and campaigns. So I was really interested in politics. I thought that was going to be my career, politics and political communications. And I really enjoyed that. Um, But the thing about working in a consultancy is you work on lots of different projects and it's very exciting. But sometimes you don't get to see things right the way through to the end. You get involved in a project, you do a bit on it and then it moves on and you don't get to see it. And so I decided what I wanted to do was similar work but I wanted to see projects all the way through so I went to work for a building society called Nationwide Building Society and work on all of their political campaigns and communications and I loved working there and I did like seeing things all the way through and projects all the way through but in that job I learned that what I really wanted to do was run a team work with other people and so For my next job, I wanted to look for somewhere where I could be in charge of a team and build a team so it wouldn't just be me doing this work, but that I'd be helping other people uh, to do this work and to learn and to build up their skills. And so I took a job with an organisation called the Charity Commission that regulates charities. It works to set the rules and to support charities and to investigate when things go wrong with every charity right across the country. And I took a job there setting up their communications team. And I learned there, firstly, that I really loved working with charities. I really loved what charities are about, the way that they're about achieving a purpose and making positive change in the world. I also learned that it's really complicated to run a charity and to run it well. And I learned that I really enjoyed running a team and I wanted to run more and bigger teams and do more and bigger things that I would be in charge of and take on bigger challenges. And so I did various jobs at that organisation, taking on bigger challenges and running bigger teams. And that's when I decided that I would like to run a charity that I would that I would work for uh, and run full time. And that's 
how I ended up being chief exec of the Social Mobility Foundation, job I've had for two years now, um, the best job I've ever had. Well, you definitely had quite a varied career leading up to the Social Mobility Foundation. Quite interesting. Now, when you were at school, did you know that you wanted to be a certain job or have a certain job? Or did that happen more later in life? Oh, yes, it came much later. When I was at school, the first job I wanted to do was I wanted to run a bookshop. But then my teacher explained to me that if you ran a bookshop, you wouldn't get to read the books all the time. There's lots of other things you do when you run a bookshop. So I changed my mind about that. That was when I was about 10. Um, Then I thought I wanted to be a journalist because I was really interested in writing stories. And I thought that being a journalist would be a good way to write stories for my job. And then when I got a bit older, when I was 16 or 17 and started thinking about that, I was still interested in maybe being a journalist, but I also decided I maybe wanted to be a lawyer because I was really interested in debating and arguments and using stories that you tell to to try and win people over to your point of view. Um, And of course, as you spotted in my varied career, I haven't done any of those things. I haven't been a journalist, I haven't been a lawyer, and I have never yet run my own bookshop. But I do still tell stories to help win people over to my point of view, and I do a lot of that in my job now. Well, earlier you mentioned that being at the Social Mobility Foundation was the best job. After being with the charity for two years now, what do you think the most enjoyable part about the charity is? So I love this job for so many reasons. Um, the first thing I love about it is that all of the people who work for the Social Mobility Foundation are absolutely united in the same mission. We've got a passion to make sure that people recognise that your talent and your hard work matters more than where you grew up or what your parents did for a living and our job in all sorts of different ways is about bringing that to life working with young people or working on campaigns to make sure that everybody recognizes that thing that we see so clearly and I really love that we're all united and that makes it really exciting I also really love it because Uh, We get to work directly with lots of young people and they are that means it's always exciting because every young person that we work with has their own ideas, their own ambitions in life. And every time we talk to the young people that we work with, we think I find I learn something or I think differently about something because of that conversation. So that keeps everything we do really exciting and makes us think all the time. And I really like that. Well, I guess it's nice to be excited all the time and make life very fun. (laughs) Now, I know you went to Oxford University, but how important do you think it actually is to go to university? So I think I got a lot out of going to university. I, uh, I made a lot of friends and I'm still in touch with lots of the friends that I met at university now and it was really it was a really good way for me to meet and connect with people 
who had uh, some of the same ideas as me and were interested in some of the same sort of things. Um, I also I had I was really lucky at university to get to study with and be kind of challenged by some really, uh, really clever and really expert people who really pushed me not just to think things, but to really understand the arguments I wanted to make and the stories I wanted to tell. Yeah, I reckon I could have done some of that without going to university for sure. But whether I'd have got so much opportunity in such a short space of time to do all those things and whether I'd been able to take all those opportunities without going to university. Yeah, I don't know that I would. Certainly, I feel very lucky and very conscious that I got a lot from university. Well, being full time on your charity definitely seems like quite a lot. How do you manage your life and work balance? And do you have any hobbies that you use to relax outside of work? Yeah, I do. Uh, so one thing I do is I sing. Um, I'm, I'm a member of a choir. Ooh. And so I sing once a week with a group of other people. That's it's really great for relaxing because music is music is great. And we sing different songs and different styles. And so it's lovely to be involved in music. But it's also really relaxing because when you're trying to sing in a choir, you have to really concentrate on the singing and what you're singing and what the person next to you is singing and whether it's supposed to sound like that. And yeah. so for an hour and a half, you can't think about anything else. And that's really good for you. Um, I cook quite a lot and I go running very slowly, at <laughs> least once a week. And I've got two children. Henry's 13 and Edith is 10. And they keep me pretty busy as well. And if I, they think I'm concentrating on work when I should be concentrating on them, they let me know. So they make sure my work-life balance doesn't get too out of hand. Mm. Well, obviously, we have all been hit by COVID, with things just beginning to feel normal again. But how have you had to deal with the COVID-19 issues? Yeah, so COVID-19 really hit us when I'd been in my job for about two months, two or three months. So I was pretty new and I was still working out what was going on in the charity and still learning. So I had to learn how to deal with COVID at the same time I was learning everything else. It's been really hard for the young people that we work with. Um, you know how tough it's been if you've been trying to study and be in school and keep up with your friends with all of the difficulty and all of the disruption. That's been really hard for the young people we work with. And of course, they're all in really low income families. So they haven't had they haven't all had laptops or good Internet access. Some of their schools haven't been great about being able to support them with those kind of resources. Uh, And some of them, their families have been right in the middle of dealing with the worst of COVID, um, workers and and dealing with some of the biggest challenges. So that's been really tough. And it's been our job to try and make sure we keep supporting young people and keep helping them in the face of all those new challenges on top of the normal challenges they face. And so that's been the most important thing really to for yeah. us to keep working to support those young people and close that gap 
Well, it definitely has been hard, but at least it's kind of recovering now. Well, through your whole career span from politics to building to now in charity, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire? Yeah, I've been helped a lot at different times all all the way through. I think anybody who tells you they haven't been helped by lots of people is probably underestimating what help they've had. I think we've all, anyone who's achieved things has been helped along the way. I've had teachers at school who really encouraged me to make sure I worked hard and I really thought about what I wanted to do. My um, my social media handle is Sarah Hatstand and that's because one of my favourite teachers at school, Mr Boyd, that was his nickname for me. He called me Sarah Hatstand <laughs> and so I remember him and the help that he gave me in, in all my social media handles. Um, I, I still get help now when I started this job as a chief executive. I talk to lots of people who, are, who I know who work in charities and got lots of advice from them about what to do. And I still ask for help most weeks from from mentors and people who help me the 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 more experience you get the more you know how much you need to ask for help all the time well other than covid because that's all been a challenge what other challenges have you had since you've become ceo ah so that's a great question um i think one of the things that is difficult when you're a leader in any team or any group is to try to balance being honest with people about the stuff that's tough and trying to make sure you keep people motivated because if you're the leader people look to you to push forward and to stay positive so I don't want to walk around all day saying oh everything's hard and terrible and I don't know what to do (laughs) no one wants to be led by someone like that but I don't ever want to pretend to the team that uh, that I don't find things difficult or I don't sometimes worry because yeah. part of my job is to help them to get better and better at what they do and mm. everybody needs to ask for help and everybody needs to admit sometimes they struggle and so I need to show them that I do that too So I find that really hard, getting that balance right of being positive and cheerful and sharing when things are hard. I find that really challenging. Well, hopefully there's a lot more cheerful things than negative things. There definitely are. So there's a lot of talk about pay equality generally. How well do you think women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs? Gosh, so I think we can see from the statistics and all of the evidence that it's not going quickly enough. No. Um, it's, it's great to see that we are now recording the difference between how men and women are paid. That's still relatively new. And that really has forced organisations to, to face up to that information. Definitely. But I still think you see too many organisations, too many people saying, well, the reason is because 
the way women negotiate isn't as yeah. strong or you see women often want to take more flexible jobs uh so they that's why they sometimes give up on pay and i just think that's rubbish yeah no women no woman has ever said please pay me less <laughs> what happens is the setup makes us end up not getting paid as much so yeah. You can't blame the women. You've got to blame the system. But I'd like to hear a bit more honesty about the reasons that that gap is there is because we haven't done enough as a society yeah. to change it. It's not the fault of the women. It's everybody's fault that we let that happen. Well, let's hope it changes very, very soon. <laughs> now, the world is changing so much and super quickly. What do you think work for women might look like in 10 years' time, and especially in the charity sector? Oh, so there's just been a report come out looking at flexible working in the charity sector. Whether instead of thinking that every job needs to be five days a week and from nine in the morning till six at night, or let's be honest, quite a lot of us are doing more than that, yeah. whether every job should be flexible and whether we automatically should say, how many days do you want to work? And let's fit the job around that. Yes. I think that's a really interesting question because I think the last couple of years have shown us lots of things we thought we couldn't change about work, like having to be in an office to do work, and having to be together to have good conversations with people wasn't true. So I wonder if the next big change will be recognising that you don't have to work every weekday, all day. You can do jobs differently. And I think if that were true, if we could make that step, that would be really exciting for better gender pay equality yeah. right the piece well throughout your life you must have gathered a lot of tips now your time to share <laughs> what tips would you give girls when they start to think about their careers and their future okay so my number one tip is understand the things you enjoy understand the things you're good at think about where those two things come together that is going to be where your superpower kicks in. If you are good at something that you also enjoy, you will be potentially amazing at it <laughs> if you're going to work hard. Yeah. But, but not enough people, lots of people think about the things they enjoy and the things they're good at, but they don't think about the kind of superpower where those come together. Yeah. Now, the trouble is sometimes what you're good at and what you enjoy isn't enough to make a job so you then have to think about the stuff that you can build up around it but start yeah. with what you're good at and what you enjoy in my case that's telling stories that get people interested I'm good at that and I love doing it that's not my whole job but I get to do jobs where I do a lot of that and that makes me really happy and it makes me really successful my number two tip for young women and girls is don't ever let anyone tell you you are too emotional. 
that is a thing people say to young girls and women all the time. And it is rubbish. I'm quite emotional. I get really excited. I get pink in the face and I get excited and I wave my hands around. <laughs> I also get really cross. Sometimes I cry. I do a job where I see awful things sometimes happening. I see injustice and I see things that are wrong that I want to change. And those things get me angry and sometimes get me a bit sad. And yes. if that wasn't happening, I wouldn't be doing my job nearly as well because I use my anger and my sadness to tell powerful stories to get people to pay attention. Yeah. So don't ever let anyone tell you that being emotional is a bad thing. Being emotional is you feeling strong feelings that can get other people to connect with you and be excited about the same things you're excited about or be sad about the same things you're sad about and make people join you to make change. But I hate it when people tell girls <laughs> women to stop being so emotional. Don't ever let anyone tell you that. Tell them I, I say so. <laughs> I definitely won't. <laughs> now, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Sarah. Thank you so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make. Keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. For more information about us, visit reachnextgeneration.com. And thank you to Levi Strauss, Ideal Standard, Sage PLC and Haynes Watts for their fantastic support.